You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway with me, Mark Tuminelli. If you're happy here, head over to the Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. I love them. I cry when I read them, so do it. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Little Me Podcast. Okay, enough about that. So today I have someone who, without question, grew up on Broadway. He made his Broadway debut as Chip in Disney's Beauty and the Beast and went on to originate the role of Flounder in Disney's Little Mermaid on Broadway and played the role of Michael and Billy Elliot on Broadway and also was part of the incredible Broadway cast of The Ferryman. His TV credits include Dash and Lily on Netflix, The Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime, and my favorite, Curb Your Enthusiasm on HBO. He can currently be seen playing Dennis in the hilarious off-Broadway comedy, The Play That Goes Wrong at New World Stages, Please welcome Trevor Braun. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Mark. How's it going? How are you? Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to talk. You're about a Broadway it, you know. kid that didn't do Broadway workshops, so I don't know you, and I'm thrilled <laughs> to hear your story. So tell me about, I mean, in 2005, you made your Broadway debut as Chip and Beauty and the Beast, crammed into that little cart. But what were <laughs> you doing before that that made your parents be like, we got to get this kid an agent. Like what was happening pre 2005? Yeah. So, um, I kind of have been doing theater my whole life. I've been acting my whole life. I had a brief, very brief stint of doing T-ball for like half a season. Um, didn't work out. No, supposedly I begged them not to make me go back. I would sit in the outfield and like draw in the sand and pick daisies. So pretty soon (laughs) after that, I realized that I, I, I was meant to be an actor. Um, but my whole family has actually been involved with acting and theater my whole life. Like my mom started when she was a teenager acting in her community theater. And then uh, when she met my dad, he started helping backstage, doing a lot of shows. Then my sister started doing it with them. So uh, you could say it runs in my blood. Um, yes. um, so were so yeah, you doing, doing like all the community theater that was like nearby? Yeah, we were doing the the local community theater that my mom grew up doing. I kind of was grandfathered in, I guess you could say, (laughs) around the age of three. My first show was uh, Bye Bye Birdie, and they added a line for me. It's funny. So my mom, she was one of the people at the Bye Bye Birdie concert, or at the Conrad Birdie concert, and uh, Conrad sings to her and she passes out. And they added a line for me where I walked up to Conrad and I said, what are you doing? What did you do to my mom? Oh, and that is uh, so sweet. Yeah. Ever since then, then I was the, they made me the puppet in Annie. Uh, I was the mayor of Munchkin City in The Wizard of Oz. So I was, I was consistently working since Where <laughs> three you years grew old. Up? Where were you I, doing these things? I grew up in Fairlawn, New Jersey, which is like uh, 20 minutes outside of yeah, Manhattan. Shout out to 30. Fairlawn. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so that uh, made it very easy there. for you to come into New York and start auditioning. How did that process start for you? Yeah. So my sister also uh, was acting with us. And so she actually, uh, her voice teacher at elementary school gave her the number of this agent, Shirley Grant, who she said she should go in an audition for. So my mom says, from, I, I don't remember too well, but according to my mom, she brought me and my sister to the audition and it was in like the basement of this house and they brought my sister down and my sister went down and sang for them. And supposedly, cause I was a very outgoing kid. I was bugging my mom just being like, I want to go down there and meet them. I want to go and sing for them. I want to go and like talk to them. She was like, okay, be quiet. Like this is your time for your sister. And they heard me from downstairs and they're like, let him come downstairs. Let him come down. So I went downstairs and I think I sang zippity doodah for them. In Shirley Grant's basement. I'm obsessed in with Shirley Grant's basement. <laughs> <laughs> and supposedly right after I finished, they all turned to each other and they went, Chip. And within three months, I went in for Chip and Beauty and the Beast. And, you know, okay. the rest is history. So <laughs> did they sign your sister too? I hope, fingers crossed on this yes, story. Yeah, yeah, yes. they did. Okay, they signed my sister. All right. So in three months, you finally get your probably audition for Chip, which they knew you would mm -hmm. probably book the second you walked in the door. What, um, and of course, you booked it. What do you remember about that audition? I don't remember. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember too, too much. But I, I do remember one thing. I remember that I had tickets to see Wicked and I was dying to see it. I'd, I'd been waiting for months to see it. Uh, and I was waiting outside in the in the waiting room. And the pianist walked out to go to the bathroom for a bathroom break. And I got up. Like I said, I was a very outgoing kid. I walked right over to him and I like tapped him. And he was like, yes. And I went, excuse me, if I do this show, can I still see Wicked? <laughs> and he was like, uh, when are you going to see Wicked? And I told him when. And he went, we'll see. We'll see. Luckily, I got to see Wicked and I got to do the show. Oh my so God. it all worked out. Dreams, what a great year for you. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. How did your family react, like especially your sister, when you like book a Broadway show in three minutes, the joy of having a little outgoing brother? I They loved it. Um, my parents always say that they, they were sort of unprepared. Like they were excited for me, but at the same time, they didn't really have an idea of what the sort of change in lifestyle was going to, to be yeah. for them for for all of us. So I think there was excitement. There was, if I'm being honest, a little bit of, uh, of fear, trepidation, but I think all these things came together to create like just a feeling of like, uh, uh, excitement overall, but, but there were, there was a lot, there was just a lot of emotions, you know, cause it was a big, it was a big deal. And you it's know, also like a big we, sacrifice for the family and totally. how do we get you in and out and who's doing it and all of that. All that stuff. How did that all go down? Did you guys work out the schedule? Like who brought you in and out? Tell me about that. How that all worked. Yeah, they 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 would shift. There was like I guess you could say shifts. Um, they would drive me in. Some days my mom would drive me in. Some days my dad would drive me in. Uh, usually they'd pick me up from school. I'd go home. I'd have a quick dinner. Maybe do some homework, and then they drive me into the city. Sometimes I take a nap on the way there. Sometimes I take naps on the way back. Um, and my sister sometimes would come in, usually would stay home. They would take her to school. Um, on, on Wednesdays, I remember all the other kids in school were jealous because I got to leave at noon. Because if you leave at noon or beyond, it counts as a full day. So I could leave every Wednesday at noon and I got to leave school early, which oh. honestly for me, it was nice. But I, I was a big school kid. I'm a bit of a nerd. So sometimes I was like, oh, no, I'm going to miss like circle time or you know, oh, whatever. Oh, my else. God. Amazing. What grade were you in then? Uh, when I started, I was in first. Oh my wow. Gosh. Oh my God. You're a little itty, you're a little itty bitty. Like that's a little chip. Like yeah. normally they wait a little bit longer. What do you, I'm sure, I don't remember one thing from first grade. So do you remember anything about like your first performance or any of that rehearsal process? <sighs> what do I remember? It's what, like, what comes through the smoke for you? Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm like closing my eyes and trying to go into like a Zen state to see what <laughs> my subconscious. I remember, um, I remember that cart. I remember a lot of the people. I remember there was this right outside of our dressing room. There was this big, like, it was like almost like a trap door in the wall and you take it, you'd open it and it would take you up the, like the catwalk and over to where the spotlights were. And I just remember whenever it opened, I remember being so terrified of it because it was like this 
big dark hole that was like over the theater felt very phantom of the opera like so i just remember being very afraid of that um i also remember okay this is this is a funny story uh look at your little face (laughs) light up here we go buckle up everyone this is a funny one it's a bit uh you might want to cover your nose for this one um but i remember (laughs) there's you know beauty and the beast i'm assuming you know during the song human again during like sort of the (laughs) <laughs> during sort of like the bridge they have like the song uh they sing coming closer and closer and closer and closer and closer and closer so i was a really big empanada mama i still am to this day empanada mama fan i loved it but i was in the cart and i you know had a lot of empanada mama and i was very young and so i was a little grassy in there this podcast is not sponsored by empanada mama (laughs) (laughs) although everyone should go it's delicious Um, it is great go ahead and i remember to that part of the song i almost started you know yeah farting along it was all right gassy gassy goo over over in that car yeah exactly and you're still in the cart exactly so i thought i was safe but i remember getting (laughs) off stage and opening the cart and everyone backstage, like people, like there was a genuine reaction. And I, I was so young. Oh my so God, I, I started sweet. crying. I, I was so upset because I thought I'd like I'd ruin the whole show. Um, so that, that was a, not a great moment. Too many, my, em, too many empanadas. <laughs> too, empanada, too many. Now, um, you know, then, you know your limit. Yeah. I, I, I remember once I fell asleep on stage in the cart while at the end of at the end of um, you know the title song, Mrs. Potts turns to me and, and like says like I can't even remember what the line to the is covered with you now, Chip. It's past your bedtime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was past my bedtime, so I was dead asleep. Uh, oh so, my god! You know, um, did did she just wake you up, or did you just kept someone just pushed you off? <laughs> I think they just took me off. I think they were like, oh, you know what? Let my god, this is so crazy. Who was Belle when you started there? We had a lot of bells. Who was my first bell? Um, oh my gosh. I can't even remember which was my first. I remember some of the ones I did have. I had Ashley Brown. I had Annalise Vanderpool. I had, who else did I have? I, ha- I went through a lot of bells because I was in the show for a, for a pretty long time. I was technically the longest running chip on Broadway because I was in the show for about two years. Wow. So there were a lot of, there were a lot of bells. I'm sure... If I call my mom right now, she would. She'll give you the list. Oh yeah. She'd pull out a scroll. (laughs) Oh my God. How amazing. And also like to do that so young, it just must feel like this weird, like, did this really happen to me or am I imagining it? Like, I mean, to have an experience like that. So um, when did you decide I need to stop being stuck in this cart for three hours a night? Well, the show. Yeah. Did you close it? Yeah, I was, I was there for the final performance. I closed the show. Uh, it was really, it was a sad moment, you know, uh, for everyone involved. The show had been running for, for a really long time. You know, so many, it, it employed so many people. It had such a legacy. So it was sad to see it go. I was obviously heartbroken. So I guess I didn't, I never aged out. I still fit in that thing. I mean, I'm still pretty small. Honestly, if you put me in the cart now, I might even you, fit. Uh, you can get one but, performance out. Um, so how well, long? I've had those dreams. <laughs> <laughs> how long was it before Mermaid came into your life after uh, after Beauty and the Beast closed? I think Mermaid was about maybe six months later. I had gone from that show to do uh, an off-Broadway show called Growing Up 70s at the Hot Comedy Club. I don't know if you remember that place. I right do. up 46th Street. Yes. Yeah. So they had like a, uh, it was a show that took place in the 70s. Barry Williams, who was the original Greg Brady. Oh, I'm, I'm was, familiar. Yeah, so he, he was in the show with me and I, I did that show. They'd actually written written the part with me in mind because we would go there sometimes. My dad, between shows, he'd like shoot pool or we'd go see comedy shows. Because, you know, these are the things that kids yeah, do Barry- when you're on Broadway. Oh my God, it's so weird. Okay. So you did that for a while. So you never really kind of stopped working then. You were like, yeah. went from, from Beauty and the Beast to this 70s thing into, uh, you know, this huge new musical. So Little Mermaid must have felt like such a different experience for you because you were originating a role in a new musical, right? Definitely. Yeah. It was the first time I'd uh, know what it was like to have a tutor because throughout the, or throughout all of Beauty and the Beast, I had been going to school uh, during the day and then 
doing the show at night. But before Little Mermaid opened, we'd actually had a tutor who would come in and, and, you know, teach us backstage. So I had like two and a half, three months where I wasn't, you know, in fourth grade, I missed fourth grade or part of it rather. So that was, you know, interesting. Like I said, I'm a bit of a nerd. So I sometimes missed school a little bit, but, um, that well, most kids different. don't miss fourth grade. So it is, uh, <laughs> it is this rare, you've had a very rare experience. Um, and did you do the out of town, like pre-Broadway and the whole, were you part of Little Mermaid from then or once the Broadway production kicked in? No. So I'd actually gone in and auditioned for Little Mermaid for when they went to Denver, but I didn't book it. Then the two boys that they'd, uh, who'd gotten the roles were a little bit older than me and Brian, who came in when they came back to New York. And I think when they, as they were coming back from Denver to New York, they started aging up a little bit. So there was a point where there were actually four flounders all working. It was Chaos, John Mara, who I love. I don't you know love how John Mara. With, shout out, <laughs> shout out to John Mara. Always. Shout out to John Mara. He's the reason why um, you're here today. He's like, you have to yeah, talk to exactly. Trevor. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> shout out John Mara. Always. <laughs> he was dealing with four boys at, at one point, <laughs> ages like eight, nine to like 12, 13. So I, I imagine we were a handful. Um, but it, it was a blast that show. I think I started really like, since I was kind of, you know, becoming a little more conscious, I was more of a, a real human being. I remember some things a little bit better. I made some really amazing friends who I, you know, still keep in touch with to this day. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a pretty incredible experience. It, it, it all was. <laughs> Did you feel like going from one Disney show to another that you were like, like a little Disney kid, like that <laughs> you, you must have, you have to feel pretty special if you're working for the Disney company as a child, like consistently for many years, were there like perks Were they, do they take care of you? Tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, uh, there were a lot of things, a lot of the Disney kids kind of stayed together. Um, we were, you know, I, I kept in touch with the, the Mary Poppins kids and the Tarzan kids and the, uh, what other shows? The Lion King kids and the um, what other, what other shows were open at that time? I guess the Chitty Bang Bang kids were around then too. Maybe my yeah, the Chitty Chitty yeah. Bang Bang kids were there. John worked with them. They, yes. they weren't Disney, but we were no, all but... actually involved with a, a charity organization called uh, Broadway Broadway Kids Care. Like okay. it's been so long since I thought about all of this stuff. You're really bringing <laughs> you're bringing back all the memories. Um, uh, and sometimes between shows, we would go and you know, get together. They had a, an office on 44th street and sometimes we would just hang out, but a lot of times they would organize big events. We made, well, we made like baskets full of gifts for people, women and children in a battered women's shelter. We uh, made gifts to send to veterans and people who were in the service. We sang at the actor's home. So that kept us occupied and really kept, kept all the kids in the community close, which was nice because in a way, it can feel, you know, a little isolating, um, you know, being being a kid, being surrounded by adults, being in, a, being in a theater away from everything. So sometimes, you know, it's nice to know that there are other kids who are, you know, experiencing similar things yeah. to you, even though, you know, your experience is unique. It's incredible. It's nice to, you know, have another kid by you who's like, oh, yeah, I'm also a kid on Broadway. I'm also a kid who's missing fourth grade. Um, I yeah, understand. Exactly. Um, now, Little Mermaid didn't uh, come in with the bang that they had hoped. Um, mm. And, you know, there was, it was very, I think, very tricky to figure out how to make that work on Broadway. Well, as mm. a young person, did you feel that? Were you like, this isn't working or maybe the audience doesn't love this as much or this doesn't feel like the hit that Lion King or Beauty and the Beast was? Did you, were you aware of any of that at that age? Um, uh, a little bit. I mean, there was definitely a sense of recognition. I think just, you know, you get the trickle down effect of like the adults talking about things. You, you overhear things. Uh, the perk of being a kid is that when you, uh, not to toot my own horn, but like, you know, everyone loves She's in Love. Everybody loves when the kids come out. So always. Like, so when we would come out, there was always, you know, there was always a very warm reception from the audience. Um, but I could, I could sense that. But I was such a big Little Mermaid fan. I mean, since that was another thing is since I was a kid, I love Beauty and the Beast, but my favorite Disney movie was Little Mermaid. I was oh obsessed. I was actually pretty heartbroken when I didn't get the out of town tryout because I'd wanted to be in it so badly. I, I still have somewhere in my basement at my family's house. I have like a little plastic Ariel doll that I used to carry around. 
So for me, it really, it really didn't matter the, you know, the sort of like critical reception that, that the, the show was having, because I, I was just so happy to be there to be involved with that and to be, you know, part of something that I, I felt proud of and that I, I really loved and cared about. And I think a lot of people had a great time and certainly a generation of people who grew up with that movie just wanted to see it on Broadway. And so they checked a very big box. And I know like so many things changed during the preview process of that show. Sierra Boggess is a very dear friend and I love her and she's been on this podcast, but, um, you know, she's the greatest. Uh, do you remember like that kind of thing where things would change or these numbers would move or this would get cut? And how did you sort of deal with all of that end of it? Yeah, I mean, so when we were coming in, me and Brian, they, we were coming in right at the tail end of previews, like right in the middle. So I think especially because we were a little bit younger, I think they didn't actually throw too much of that stuff our way. They were kind of giving that to the, I guess, to the older kids, the two older boys who were playing Flounder. So luckily, I didn't have to deal with that too much. Although, if I had, I would have, I have no way of knowing, but I'm sure I would have just, you know, taken it and you know, ran with it. I think the amazing thing about kids, they're really resilient and they're really smart, smarter than we think. They soak things up like sponges. So I think if it had come to that, I would have been able to, you know, take those notes to make those changes and to implement them. But luckily I didn't really have to deal with too much of that. I think a really great part about being a kid is some of the harder things. They they don't feel hard because people have a really nice way of sort of, you know, not sugarcoating them because that's not the right word, but you know, it, it feels like a game, you know, it, it's work and it's a job, but it never really feels like that there's this stress on you. It just feels like this joyous thing that you really like to do. So you, you know, that's also a credit to your, you know, company and stage management and how they take care of kids. And when you're splitting a role with multiple kids, how were they as far as like making sure everyone had moments, you know, like, oh, you get this, you get to do the view, you get to do this, you get to do the recording. How did they, how did they work all of that? Was any of that stressful for you? Uh, it, it could be at times, but for the most part, as long as I was getting to be on stage, that was my like main thing is I, I love to perform still to this day. I really just love acting, being on stage, getting in front of an audience. So, you know, when the things, you know, when things were kind of, you know, parsed out to the different kids, it never felt bad because, because we were all still getting the opportunity to, to act. And I think on top of that, we were so close, me, Brian, uh, John, the other two boys who were there briefly, I, I didn't get to know them too. I, I think I got to know them like three, four months, but really me, John and Brian were all just we're like a little family incredibly close. Yeah. Like yeah. incredibly close Two people in my life who to this day, I still text. I still reach out to because they really, you know, they've supported me. I, I will always support them. And I think that that was really what, what got us through everything, whether it was, you know, the, the reception from the critics or anything. We ha we always had each other. And, we and still also do. it had to be fun to do. I mean, like it was this big over the top musical. You're back at the theater. You already feel super comfortable at, at the yeah, Fontaine. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, I'm an old pro here. And you're like, I farted all over this whole building. But, uh, <laughs> but like, and also you get to like be on Heelys and like, I'm sure it was like a blast to do, you know, just to get yeah. out and like do the show every night. And I know for Sierra, like no matter what, she got to be Ariel in The Little Mermaid, you know, like yeah. to be in the original cast of a big Broadway musical. It must feel so overwhelmingly thrilling, especially in those beginning months where people are just like clamoring to see what the fuss is about or see what it is. I'm, totally. I'm sure and it's the, very and cool. And the kids coming in to see it. That's, I mean, I can't imagine being an adult, but being a kid, having other children come to the show and telling you, because kids, they just, they loved it. They loved it. Like, you know, Whatever the critics say, like they, you know, they it doesn't matter to a 10 year old yeah. who loves the movie or a six year old seeing her first Broadway show. And that's a really cool thing. I mean, being involved in two shows back to back that were a lot of people's first Broadway shows. Mm, um, totally. And I'm sure you'll hear that, like, as you get older, from people being like, oh my God, Little Mermaid was my first Broadway show. It changed my life. So you don't mm. realize that, like, the impact of you all working together every night has on the next generation of theater performers. It's like a very cool legacy you've been a part of already. Yeah. And even I mean, if you I, had never done anything else. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I still get people to literally to this day, like maybe three, four weeks ago, 
at Play Deck was wrong. Someone was like, you were in The Little Mermaid? Oh my God, I saw that play when I was like, and I'm like, I, that's crazy. Like that's, that's wild. I'm, I'm so happy that I could, you know, even be a small part of something that is so important. Like getting people to see theater, like, wow, it's amazing. Did um, you leave Little Mermaid to go to Billy Elliot or did you have time in between those two shows? Yeah, so so this is actually one of my one of my favorite stories from when I was a kid. Um, so I'll tell I'll, I'll tell the quick version. Um, no, tell tell any version. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. Go ahead. So I was uh, in Little Mermaid, and do you know Easter Bonnet and Gypsy of the Yeah, Year? of course. Yeah. So should I explain the? Yeah. So or? there are these big benefits where all the Broadway shows perform, uh, and all the proceeds go to Broadway Cares, and they write their own little sketches and skits, and it's generally really funny, and it's especially really good when kids do it. So now tell us what you did that got you discovered. <laughs> okay, so it was Easter Bonnet, and uh, me and John and Brian, we all really wanted to do something, and for some reason, uh, most people in the theater didn't. You know, I guess people were busy. It's a big commitment. You have to be there for rehearsals. You have to create sketches. You have to do all this stuff. So nobody really wanted to to put anything up. And so John, me, and Brian decided that we were going to do something ourselves. And we didn't need, you know, anyone else. We just, we had the three of each other. Like I said, we were this little family. So we were going to do it together. Um, a little backstory. Uh, in the theater, I was, during Little Mermaid, I was obsessed with Dreamgirls absolutely obsessed um and so people in that theater I, I somehow got the name uh treppy white people started calling me oh my so God. uh so i would i would sing uh you know i saw dream girls in 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 theaters because this is when the, the jennifer hudson beyonce david fox version came out um but uh so we decided to do to write a sketch and john wrote us uh wrote me a little monologue where I come on stage in my Heelys with a robe on talking to my agent saying, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Turns to the audience. And I start talking about how I am looking for my next big role, my next like Tony award-winning role. I talk about all these different options that my agent has told me about. I talk how I could do Billy Elliot, but I'm not sharing my role with three other boys. I talk about, uh, I made all these different really, really great jokes. I probably have the scripts uh, hidden somewhere in my mom's box in our basement of all the, you know, the stuff. Um, and then right at the end of the little monologue, I say, but there's one role that they're reviving. And I know I'm not traditional casting, but I think I would be absolutely incredible. And I turn around and I take off the robe and I turn around and I'm wearing a bedazzled dream girl shirt. And I went into, uh, if I don't say so myself, if I may say so, a pretty wonderful rendition of and i'm telling you um sing the song and with stopping at the end uh as john mara comes down the aisle and takes a picture of me and i start screaming stop taking pictures right now going to the phone style yep of course (laughs) yes uh as 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 any wonderful lovely diva has to um uh and then i came on with a you know the bonnet and we didn't win unfortunately but Getting back to the story, uh, the casting director from Billy Elliot, Nina Brennan, was there and saw me and called on my agent and said, we're looking for a new Michael. We want Trevor to come in. I, I, didn't, I wasn't really familiar with Billy Elliot. I didn't know a lot. I actually couldn't dance. I had tried dancing when I was younger and I'd been traumatized. I don't know. I'm a very anxious person. <laughs> so I, I did not. I stopped it, didn't really, it wasn't my thing, but they wanted me to come in. Sure enough, I was like, yeah, sure. This seems like a cool new project. Um, I don't know a lot about it, but I, you know, it's, you know, getting a lot of really positive reception. There are a lot of kids in it. It seems great. So I go in for the audition and it's a day of teaching us the routine, the tap routine, and then a day where we would, you know, do the scene, do the song and do the routine in front of everyone. After the first day, my dad said, I left the studio. I walked over to him. We were going down in the elevator. As soon as we got out of Ripley Greer, I started sobbing. I was so upset. I was like, I'm never going to get this. This is embarrassing. This is horrible. And so I was like, well, I just got to get through tomorrow and then it'll be done. We go in the next day. Uh, and I spent the whole night talking with my mom, rehearsing the song, just saying, you know what? An audition is an opportunity no matter what. And I, I know I, I have, I know I can act. I know I'm funny. I know I've got chops. Let me just have a good time in there. So I go in, 
we do the tap routine and it's it's a mess. It's horrible. I'm 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 horrendous. <laughs> they asked me to step forward in front of everyone and it's just ridiculous. Oh. Then they have us all go out and they have us come back in, do the song, and I just give it my all. I throw I, I leave it all out there because I figure there's, you know, there's nothing, there's there's no reason not to. Uh, and the associate director walks me out, comes over to me with my dad and takes us down the hallway of Ripley Greer and says, he can't dance, but we love him and we want him. So we're going to train him. So for two, three solid months, I would go to school and I'd have intense tap training for like two, three hours every day, then do the Little Mermaid at night, did this for two, three weeks until I, I learned it. And then I started and I, you know, started Billy Elliot. So thanks to, you know, Treffy White, I was able Treffy to, White. to do it. Um, that's so cool. But also it's like the story of you working so hard to get it, that it wasn't just mm-hmm. like, you're cute and they handed it to you. It's like, it must've felt very different to do your third Broadway show, Billy Elliot, because you knew how hard you put in the work to get there. I mean, did that, was that lost on you? Or would you say like, you felt that in the moment? Not at all. I think, I think Billy Elliot was really uh, kind of a big shift for me in my career, not only in terms of like tone of the show. It's, I don't know if yeah. you know Billy Elliot, but it's uh, very different than the little mermaid. Yeah. yeah it's pretty First different. of all, it <laughs> takes place on land right there. Yeah. Very different. <laughs> so, th- so there was that element of it. It was being the other idea of being surrounded by kids having, you know, Beauty and the Beast and the Little Mermaid. It was all adults. One other and kid, two kids, maybe two yeah. or three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This all huge groups of kids, huge cast, different tone. Uh, this was the first time that I comp- I missed sixth grade. So I didn't go to sixth grade. Um, I actually, we were tutored. So the people who are the Billies and the Michaels and the tall boys were all tutored, you know, as long as they were in the show because we yeah. were rehearsing constantly. We were, there was never a period where it was like, we rehearsed and then we were doing the show. We were always rehearsed. We were always freshening up. We were always keeping warm, keeping those muscles, you know, nice and oiled up because the show is so demanding. So it kind of felt like I was shifting from, you know, I was still a kid on Broadway, but it sort of felt at this point that I was kind of coming into my own and that I was, you know, kind of dealing with what it was like to, to, to really, like you said, to really work hard not and also the hard first, before, but. no, but it's different, but, and also probably the, it was the first time you were playing like a human, really, Yeah, these exactly. people are human, but you were a cup and then a fish. So it is different to sort of approach a character that has fears of the world and, you know, or not, or your relationships with Billy. I mean, Michael's like a great part. I mean, there's a lot to, oh to mine out there. Did you, did you start to discover like, Oh wait, I'm an, I'm an actor. Like, you know, I'm sure you start to feel that way a little bit. Totally. I mean, I I still, to this day, I, I swear, I still have dreams where they call me up and they ask me to do Michael again. Cause I, it's one of my favorite. I just, that show is brilliant to this day. I think it's absolutely magic. And that character is amazing. But I remember in rehearsals, they started teaching me, about you know like as ifs like like imaginary like what we would do things and they go what what would this be to trevor you know acting exercises that i ended up learning about in college and i had the opportunity to learn about them in you know at 11 12 years old and making notes in my script that weren't just blocking notes and that was a really cool thing i look back now at my billy elliott script and it's just i can't even read it because the pencil i wish i'd use pen but i was using pencil so it's all just smudged off i can barely you see what's left, but I really, that was, it was amazing to, to, like you said, to see myself becoming an actor and, you know, with a part like Michael to see similarities between myself and, you know, this was before I came out, but at the same time, you know, being forced to deal with that on stage in front of a, a huge audience is, is crazy. And I didn't come out until a, a few years later, but, you know, even having the opportunity to be able to, to mine those things at a young age, I think, and in general, to be in theater as a kid and to be in such a supportive environment with, yeah. you know, people who are who are open about themselves and, and, you know, living their lives happily was a privilege and I think really has helped me in my own self-discovery. Is that a very hard thing to do when you're, how old were you and Billy Elliot? 
I was 11, 12, I think. 11. All right. So that's like a pretty tricky time to like put on a dress and joke around. Like when, especially you have your own sexuality, things you're kind of probably aware of. And uh, mm. was that hard for you? Or were you just like, I just am going to do this and not worry about what people think of me in this part? I don't know. I just, I imagine it's a mind game to play with yourself if you're already questioning things and then you're playing a character who's just dressing up for fun. Do you know what I, or like, I no, don't know. definitely. Yeah, no, it was definitely, it, it was tricky. Um, and I think I was, I was still young enough, you know, I was, uh, you know, times have changed. Luckily, I think, hopefully. Um, oh, I think so. so yeah. I'm hoping that people now at that age are, you know, feel more comfortable being themselves. There was definitely part of me that was, you know, still in, in a, in a denial sort of state, but I think getting to like exercise those things, getting to really live them out in front of an audience was a cool way for me to be able to, to see myself through it is, it's it, like you said, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a tricky mind game. Cause it's like, I was able to see myself more clearly through being someone else. Yeah. So how, how, so cool. I, I don't know. At the time, I just, I, most I was, 12 year olds don't have that experience. So it's, it's yeah. really interesting to, to get to do it. And also a show that's so much about how a man is perceived and, you know, all of those things, I'm sure it was a, a great education for you and this beautiful, big British import musical, you know, of, yeah. of getting to do that. Um, how Elton long did John you do that show? I mean, Elton John, how long did you do Billy Elliot for? I was in Billy Elliot for about 10 months, a year. And then that was the first experience I had growing up. And aging out. Getting, yep. Aging out, which was brutal. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so it, well, tell me it about is. it. Was that a conversation someone had with you? It was like, this is the end of the road. Like, how did you, did you know? Talk to me. Yeah. So I definitely felt it coming. It was, it was all in the, in the voice drop. Uh, even yesterday, I actually, one of the moms of uh, one of the ballet girls in the show came to see me in Billy Elliot or in play that goes wrong. And she reminded but you're still me, doing Billy <laughs> Elliot every night. It's yeah. <laughs> she, uh, she reminded me that, and I forgotten that there was a time when my voice started to drop where I just like almost stopped talking. And I started convincing myself. I was like, it's a cold, it's a cold. And I remember, I remember really well now she reminded me that I was so convinced it was a cold and that I wasn't, you know, my voice dropping. And it was, it was hard. It, it was a hard thing to to deal with especially because i i you know been with these people i created a family i loved doing this for so long um and it's your luckily, life like school's not your life the yeah, whole show's exactly. your life so it's not like oh i'll come back we're going on summer vacation i'll come back in september it's like yeah no, like i have to go back to real life i'm sure that's a really terrifying thing to carry with you for a minute totally uh, luckily i my town is I was really, my parents, funnily enough, when they decided to move, because uh, we moved when I was maybe like four, four, three, four years old to Fairlawn. They didn't know at the time that Fairlawn has a really like vibrant artistic community. Our high school theater is thriving. It was amazing. We had a lot of community theaters there because um, the community theater we had initially done was in my mom's hometown, which is Clifton, New Jersey, nearby. But uh, so luckily, right straight out of Billy Elliot, I was able to start continuing to, you know, maybe not in a quote unquote professional sense. I was still able to, you know, learn about my craft and learn about acting and, and performing and doing all these things in a different setting, which I think taught me a whole different set of skills, which was really also cool. So I never really stopped i never wanted to stop and i never mm. did and i'm just so grateful i was afforded those opportunities whether you know it was in the basement of a, a church or you know on broadway it didn't really matter to me hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline did you go back to see billy elliott once you were not in it yeah yeah i did i did is that hard I, I Oh, I'm like, it, it was brutal. Um, <laughs> I remember I, so I, during 
Billy Elliot, I'd started my lifelong, but it kind of started then my lifelong obsession with Shakespeare, a huge Shakespeare nut. I love Shakespeare. And Kate Hennig, who played um, uh, Mrs. Wilkinson in the show, was also, uh, she was a professor of Shakespeare. She'd written plays. She lived in Canada and done a lot of that. So I remember when I wasn't on, when I was understudying, when I was on standby, uh, during intermission, I would, she had a big break from intermission a little ways into act two, I would go up to her dressing room and she would train me. And I have like books and books full of, you know, Shakespeare training that she, that she gave me. And I remember for closing night of Billy Elliot, they'd invited a bunch of the company back and we went back to see the show. And she also wasn't in the show anymore, but I remember we saw each other in the aisle and I just remember sobbing and just, you know, the, the flood of emotions of, you know, being back at the theater, feeling older, having that perspective, seeing, seeing the show again, seeing her again, feel, seeing how much I've grown, but how much I, you know, missed it. It was really, it was an overwhelming experience, but I, I went back and as an outsider's perspective, I still, I still to this day think it's just a brilliant, one of the, a, one yeah, of the best musicals. Agreed. I totally agreed. And, and such a great launch pad for so many kids in the business because there were so many kids in that show. Um, totally you know, those girls, like, God, it was uh, wild. Um, so you went to like, now you have to go back to regular school and go to high mm -hmm. school, even if you're doing community theater. And I'm sure you were auditioning for stuff as it came up, but you were kind of entering the dead years. So like, what yep. did you do? <laughs> did you do your high school musicals? Yeah, I did all, all the high school shows that we had. We had uh, three shows a year. We would have a fall play a spring musical and a spring play. So pretty much, I mean, not even pretty much, it was all year round during the school year. And then there was a, a local theater community that would put on uh, summer, summer shows. And then sometimes I would go to outside towns to do, you know, a show here and there, but I was, I don't, there, there wasn't a moment where I was not acting, not a single moment. Yeah. I mean, the longest that I ever didn't act was, during the pandemic in the past year. But other than that, I, I've been, you, you know, just I, I, I never stopped. went from show to show and it didn't feel like it had to be Broadway to be good. And that is, wow. and that's amazing because I think a lot of theater kids, once they have that level of success, they're that nothing can compare to it. And it feels mm. like for you, you were like, no, I just want to work. I just want to be in a show. I just want to play a part. Totally. And it didn't matter where it was, which is probably why you're having adult success, which we're going to talk about right now so yeah. you went you went to pace yes yes pace university great and so while you were at pace is that when ferryman came up for you yeah so uh i i was auditioning for schools i wanted to stay in new york because i wanted to keep you know pursuing i wanted to keep auditioning uh i tried to audition for schools that i knew would uh allow for for me to keep uh you know keep keep myself busy in the, in the work as well as like learning the work in school Luckily, Pace was really uh, good. My program in particular, I was part of a program called, uh, it was actually a brand new program when I was a freshman. It was the first time they had all four years of the, of the program. We call it FTVC, but it was short for, it was a BFA acting for film, television, voiceover, and commercial. And I'd gone into it because it was sort of something, it was another side of the industry that I hadn't really gotten the opportunity to explore as much when I was a kid. So it was something that I wanted to, you know, you know, I wanted to just feel as well-rounded as I could in terms of, you know, every, every part of this massive, massive industry. And you so, already knew the theater part. So yeah, it just exactly. felt like you needed to learn that other, that other side of it. Yeah. Um, and I think what's, what's great about being an actor is like, no matter what you do, you're always learning on the job. So, you know, I will continue to learn about theater i will continue to, i'm learning about it right now I, I will continue to learn about film and television all these you know about writing about directing just watching these amazing people do their thing like i'm, I'm always going to be learning so but yes while i was in uh while i was at pace i got the audition for understood because they were bringing over the cast from the west end i got the audition for uh understudying two three roles they were kind of like shaking them around for like the young adult roles in the ferryman and I remember reading the script in my, like, was it my dorm room? It might've been in my dorm room. Uh, and I just remember reading the scripts and saying to myself, I don't care if I'm cleaning up the goose's poop, because there was a goose, yes, a live I, goose I in the show. <laughs> I don't care if I'm cleaning up the goose poop. I need to be a part of this show. Yes. It, is un it is one of the most beautiful 
pieces of theater I've ever read. It was just, it really had an effect on me. And I was just so grateful to be a part of that production. Oh my God. When you got that phone call, you must have lost your mind. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was my first time, you know, being back on Broadway. And it's my favorite thing to talk about is like when a kid is back on as an adult past 18, I think it's just like the most amazing thing for your head to be like, Oh no, 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 no. I've always been good at this and I'm still good at this. Do you know what I mean? It's just a little bit of someone. It does, you know, sadly, sometimes we need other people to tell us why we're so great, but you know, it must, it feels like something like, I really am working at this. I wasn't just a cute kid. I'm a talented mm. actor. And to be in a play like The Ferryman on Broadway with some of the best actors I've ever seen in my life in a Broadway show must have been like an education beyond anything you could have learned in any show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was constantly learning and it was and it was perfect in a way because I was understudying something that I, you know, I'd done as a kid sort of like half halfway I'd understudied, but I'd also been performing. But to to just kind of like sit back and, and watch all these people and also just to have that while I was in school. I, I I still look back now and think about whether, you know, how hard it would have been to handle both, you know, performing every night and being in school. Um, but that's, you know, a different conversation. But yeah. but getting to understudy and, and watch these people, I, I learned so much. And I, I still, I think back to it constantly. I, I made some really great friends who taught me and so, two of the other like young adult understudies who were in the show with me, they were like two years older and yet they sort of became almost mentors to me because they uh-huh. just graduated from school. This was their first big Broadway show. And in a way it was my first Broadway show as an adult. So yeah. I was kind of just, you know, I wasn't lost, but I was just, you know, feeling around, hoping, uh, you know, hoping that it, pinching myself, hoping I wasn't dreaming and hoping that I wasn't, you know, totally, you know, out of my, out of my, what's the word? Uh, like, depth you know, that this, element. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Out of my depth. And, and it was nice to just be able to just like watch. Just um, really and you went on and you performed a lot. I, yeah, you know, I got yeah. to go on a, a yes. few times. Uh, the, there's some, some crazy stories about that. There was um, seven minutes. The, one of my characters had an entrance, like maybe 15 minutes into the show and about five, six, seven minutes into the show. Someone was like, uh, he's not here. And I was in the basement. We were on the fifth floor. I ran upstairs, got into costume, mic, everything in six minutes, seven minutes. And you're like, oh God, what are these lines? What is this accent? It was, it was insane. I remember there was one point on stage where we're all singing and they're pouring whiskey for everyone. There were these two glasses in my hands. I was so excited, so nervous, you know, just that crazy feeling. And I was like, we were all singing. The kids were all singing together. And I cheered the glasses together. Like I, you know, clinked them together. And I was so, I don't know if I was so nervous, but shattered right in my hands the like the glass in my hand luckily they had like a working sink on the stage so i just kind of dusted it off my hand and kept going luckily there was no blood the things you have learned my friend um it's it's so incredible did you stay through that entire run yeah i was i was with the show for for both companies for the one from the uk uh the west end company and then for uh for the american company that came over after i was yeah, I was there for the whole thing. I, I wouldn't have. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine show. leaving <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah. and, you, and then you had to go back to school and you graduated in 2020, which is, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just, I would like to apologize on behalf of you. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it definitely, it was not ideal. I mean, at that point, you know, luckily we'd already started halfway through our semester. So I was. I mean, I was ready to, you know, get out into the world, quote unquote, although I think the blessing about going into school in New York is that you're already kind of feel like you're, you're part of the world. But, uh, you know, there was only um, two months left. So I feel like we sort of, in a weird way, got not the worst end of it. I mean, yeah. it definitely could have been better, like not happening, but it is what it is. <laughs> Um, we have to talk about play that goes wrong. And obviously I want to touch down on some of this TV stuff, but you're, you're currently have the greatest job in New York. I think, uh, <laughs> play that goes wrong Feels is like truly it. the most fun thing I've ever seen in my life. And I imagine for someone like you to get to do that level of comedy, um, must feel like such a gift to get to do. Tell me about, did, was that on your radar? How did it come to you? And, and tell me what it's been like to take over in that show uh, and get to do that at New World Stages, which I I know is an incredible blast. 
Oh my God. It's so much fun. Um, I remember when the show first came over from the West end at the Lyceum, we had, um, we got free tickets during the ferryman. And so I got to see the original company and I'd loved it. I thought it was, you know, it was brilliant, hilarious. I, um, and then it kind of just, you know, fell out of, I didn't think about it for a while just cause it wasn't, you know, something I'd ever gone in for before something I'd never, you know, it was just never something that I had been it was like, not on your radar before. in that way. Yeah. And uh, then like maybe five months, no, no, maybe, or three, five months ago, I got the audition just as I was getting one of my first like survival jobs. Uh, and I remember I, I'd gotten a job. I always what does work Trevor do as a survival job? Okay. Yeah, tell I, us. I, I, I love books. I'm a big, like I said, I'm a big nerd. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to work at Barnes and Noble. So I got a job at Barnes and Noble. Uh, shout out Barnes and Noble. I love them. I'm like, where, where is there a Barnes and Noble in this city? Uh, the, the Fifth Avenue one. Okay. Fifth Avenue 46. Yes. So pretty, pretty great. busy. Um, so everyone go but, there and buy your books. Yeah, definitely. Okay. <laughs> it's great. So you're getting and, and your, buy books in general. And buy books. All right. So you're getting your first survival job and then. Yeah. And then I get this call for this audition and uh, me and my roommate who also knows this type of comedy and, and is, you know, was helping with the self-tape. We were like, I really want this. This, this would be so much fun. This, this it would just be a great job. Didn't hear back for like a month. And I was like, okay, you know, that's the name of the game. You send in your self-tape. You, you go in for the audition and you let it go. Maybe a month or two later, I get a call. They're doing in-person callbacks. Also crazy because I haven't done an in-person callback at this point or in-person anything since pre-pandemic. Uh, go in. It's a big, fun group audition. We do like theater games. We do scenes. Um, then they tell us they're going to have a final audition then uh, the next day or something. And uh, I hear about that and then nothing. Three, four months go by, still nothing. And then finally, I get another call that they're going to have one more round of final auditions and I might be messing up the numbers somehow here, We're but I just remember that good. throughout my whole process at Barnes and Noble, like my whole time at Barnes and Noble, whenever I would, you know, I would get angry as you do in survival jobs, get upset about the job I would be like, I just remember thinking to myself, like, oh, I could be doing the play that goes wrong right now. Why am I here? I want to be doing that show. And, uh, you know, luckily it, it worked out and I, I started, I, I left Barnes and Noble and started doing this, uh, it's my first time back on stage since the pandemic. And it just, you know, I keep saying this, but it kind of just feels like coming home. Uh, it, it's also given me an, a really fun opportunity to play uh, with comedy, like you said, because comedy is, you know, with a character like Michael and Billy Elliot, um, comedy, you know, like Ferryman, very funny. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but, Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but comedy has always been something that's that's been really close to my heart. My mom when she does theater, uh, community theater, she was always a comedic actress. She would always say to me, she would always say, you know, it's fun and it's great to be the ingenue. It's fun and it's great to be the leading man. But people always walk out of the theater and they remember the funny characters. The funny characters are the, are the most fun to play. That's why it's funny, you know? It's funny. And so I, I've, it's been a blast. The company is amazing. It is a workout. Every show I get home, I am drenched in sweat and I'm just... I'm having the best time. And I keep saying uh, just to be in a room, to be in a big room with a bunch of people post pandemic, post, you know, politics, everything, just the craziness of the world right now to be in a room with people, all different people. It does not matter. Just laughing, just sharing joy. Yeah. There's, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's, there's nothing more. I feel like I, I want to, you know, give back. I know that, that sounds kind of weird, but to give back to the world, just like laughter Wow, what what an amazing! There's also it, it also nothing like it exists anymore. It's such an old mm. style of comedy, and uh, and it's just like sheer com. It's like sheer humor, and every bit and every moment. How hard was it to learn the show? Because there are so many moments of things where you will get very hurt if you're in the wrong spot yeah. or all of that. And um, you know, watching it, you're like, how did these people learn this show? Because it yeah. is like, it is a puzzle. Like I've almost never seen. Was it like impossible to learn? It was hard. I mean, the, the, the creative team, everyone who's involved in the production. Shout out Matt to so, Carlo. Yes. Matt to Carlo. The greatest. Uh, they, they have such an amazing sense of the show, such an amazing handle on it. I remember the the stage manager called me 
uh, talking like the week before we started rehearsal, she was breaking down the rehearsal schedule and she was about to hang up. She was like, do you have any questions for me? And I remember asking her, I said, wait, Whitney, um, do I only have nine rehearsals? <laughs> she was like, yeah. I was like, uh, I, n- nine. She was like, yeah, nine rehearsals. Um, little did I know, uh, by, you know, by rehearsal eight, we were, we need an audience. Cause that's the thing about the show is you know, the audience is the, they you need say, to hear people, people laugh. Yeah. Yeah. People are always saying that the set is the eighth character and the audience is the ninth because it really affects it. And what's so great about this show is they have such a solid handle on, you know, where you have to go, how you fit in to everything. So you stay safe so that you're, you know, you're keeping up with the rhythm, with the pace of everything while also giving us such amazing opportunity to really find the character. It never, ever felt like we were, you know, just, you know, being a cutout of the person who did it before or, you know, the original people from the West End, they really want us to find who these characters are in our body. And although, you know, certain times rhythms need to stay in a certain place, you need to be standing really specifically in certain spots so you don't literally die. Even amongst all of that, there's so much creative freedom. And, you know, that's a testament to the, to, to the brilliant writing. That's a testament to the people who are involved. Um, and it's just been so much fun discovering this. Like that's, if there's anything to take away, like come see the show. You're just going to have a great, a great time. I will like, second it. I can't wait. I'm going to come back. I mean, I saw it in London. I saw do. it on Broadway. I saw it on Broadway and I'll come. I have to come see you. Um, because yeah, it's, and New World Stages is a great venue. It's a for perfect show. venue for the show. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm so glad you get to do that every night. I'm very jealous actually, because it just looks like, and it must be like being in a, a like comedy storm and it's so fun. It must feel yeah. like a fever dream when it's over. Um, yeah. And I it, realized it was my first time doing eight shows a week. So I, oh I, my God. I yeah. So I finished, if, if there's any show to do eight shows a week and be exhausted, it's that, like I am pooped every night. Right, I come well, home. Everyone it's, go see him. Just know on Sunday, <laughs> Sunday, do you have a Sunday matinee? You're, you're tired by Sunday. We have, night. we have Monday shows too. Oh, oh we have off on Tuesday. T- okay. Tuesday, so Tuesday just know <laughs> Monday night, he'll be pretty tired, but brilliant. Um, in yeah. recent years, you've been doing a lot more film and TV, Dash and Lily, and you're on Maisel. And I remember you, and of course you're on Curb. Um, mm-hmm. Does that feel like where you want to focus your attention? Like as you move forward here or, or balancing everything, tell me where you want to go now. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's such a such a, a a big question. People are always constantly asking, like, "What's your favorite? Where do you want to go?" Um, I would love to, you know, look in that direction uh, to explore. Like I said, to explore what I learned in school, to just explore a new part of the craft. Because you know, there there are different. Te- the techniques are so different, while also you know retaining that element of like you're always playing the truth. You know, you always want that to be you know the kind of kernel that you're. you know that you're working toward but it is so different so i i would love to to explore film tv all that stuff to you know to see how it sits in my body but you know i also just i just i love you just want to work acting yeah i love i love acting i i whatever you tell me to do i'll I'll do it (laughs) i i I love it you know it's not like i i got this job and i was like oh i wish you know which was on a, you know, a bigger, this, like, which was that. on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I mean, would it be nice? Yeah. But I, yeah. I get to act. I am. Uh, oh my God. You're amazing. If you ask me to act, I'll be happy. Oh my God. I love you. All right, Trevor, we're going to do Broadway workshop, quick fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Oh, just go with, don't, don't overthink it. Just go with your okay. first instinct. That's hard for me. But okay. Yes. <laughs> your first audition song. Um, first Broadway show you saw. Funnily enough, Beauty and the Beast. And I walked out of the theater saying, I want to be on Broadway. And my parents said, be quiet, you're three years old. Oh uh, and you were in Beauty and the Beast like five minutes later. Um, yep. The last Broadway show you saw. Last Broadway show I saw. Uh, I saw, does Shakespeare in the Park count? I saw yeah, Richard III. Yeah, that counts. Um, yeah, what is your III. go-to album for a car trip? For a car trip? Oh my God. Uh, SZA's Control. Okay. She's incredible. I'm in love yeah. with her. She's amazing. <laughs> I want blank movie to be a musical. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh, I remember I used to say this as a kid, Valley of the Dolls. 
I'm obs- like very upset, Trevor. Like I'm very, this is my value of the dolls. Oh my what, God. What you're, not, what you're not seeing at home, friends, is my value of the dolls poster that is on my desk. I, Wouldn't it be I, a great musical? It's beyond. We, we'll, we'll work on it together. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, I know you have a very long history with Charlie Chaplin and I watched mm. your impression. Tell me one fun fact you know about Charlie Chaplin. Uh, oh, this is a lot of people know this one, but I do love this one. Charlie Chaplin. I think he he lost a Charlie Chaplin look like contest. He, That's a great fun. He fact. entered it and he did he didn't win. <laughs> now, did you get to do the musical like in school? Is yeah. That, that's so cool. So and, we, I, I reached out to the producers and we got permission before anyone else was allowed. I was determined. My senior year, I was like, I want to do this show. So I sent out emails all summer and I got in contact with the original writers. And wow. he sent us the newest draft of the script. Have you, do you know Rob McClure at all? Or like yeah, Rob buddies? actually came in. Yeah, I'm he sure came in he, the show. I mean, another great, another like wonderful person in this business. There are three, three of them. And we mentioned them all on this podcast. Um, <laughs> all right. Can you name two real housewives? No, that's okay. It's okay. Actually, 90% there, of my guests cannot. Go ahead. What cannot? Is okay. Is there, is there, is there, is there, there's a, there, there's a Nini. Nini, Nini. Damn. <laughs> it's fine. You're just not a garbage person. That's okay. Um, <laughs> pancakes or waffles? Ooh, waffles. Okay. Unpopular opinion. Tell me yeah. one stage door experience. Oh my gosh. Stage door experience. Um, Jennifer Hudson. Uh, I was seeing the best little um, house in Texas. You uh, could say whorehouse on my podcast. Okay. The best, little, okay, the best little whorehouse <laughs> in Texas. Um, and uh this was right before Dream Girls came out, and we she we came out, we met her, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, so nice to meet you! Thank you for coming to the show. Go see my movie, Dream Girls." As if it was like this little tiny movie. Girl goes on to win the Oscar. Like, come That's on. That's amazing. Normally, the stage door experiences are about people with you, but I'm happy to hear your own stage door. Because <laughs> I'm such a, I'm a nerdy fan. I know. I love that. Yeah. Um, who makes you laugh the most in your current show, The Play That Goes Wrong? Oh. Um, uh, Maggie Weston. She, 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 she kills me. She has this one line that it just kills me every day. It just kills me every day. Um, do you have a secret talent? Uh, secret talent, secret, secret, secret. Um, I can, I don't know if I, I I'm pretty, oh, I'm an open book. Everything I, uh, everything All I the do, talent. Like, I none of them off. are. None of them are okay. Um, I I always ask you, do you any impressions? So you can a- answer that question. I, c- I can do a Charlie Chaplin impression, although on a podcast, I don't know how. Not well gonna work. Play. So can you just for my own enjoyment? Can you give me one ferryman line with that amazing accent? Oh yeah, let me see if I remember any line. Uh, any line from the show? Uh, so your mom, father, or Mulligan is welcome. I don't remember the exact line. Or uh, I'm glad you came here tonight, Mister Mulligan. Because there's something I've been wanting to say to you for a long time. Something I love like it that. so much. <laughs> I love it so much. Okay. What is the credit your family is most impressed by? Oh my goodness. My family. Hmm. Probably. Oh, that is a good one. That's hard. Um, um Beauty and the Beast. Okay. I think it'll always stand out to them as something that really just, you know, was important to them. So I think for them, it'd be the, it'd be the biggest. Either that or Maisel, because... All right, Maisel. I, I was thinking it would be Maisel, because that's, <laughs> what my, too. that's what I would be most proud of. <laughs> it's so cool. You're so good at it. All right. Um, okay. Uh, where am I? Um, something you really wanted as a kid that you did not get, but it sounds like you got everything. <laughs> oh, I want to marry Poppins, and I wore right. a bunch of times, oh, and I really wanted it. Thank you. <laughs> if you can go back in time and see any Broadway show, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um... Probably, I know it tanks, but that's part of the reason why I want to see it. I want to see the original Merrily We Roll Along. Yes. Well, you'll get to see it later this year on Broadway. I know. Um, so exciting. Um, well, that hasn't been announced yet, but we all know it's happening. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, what is your favorite Disney movie? Uh, Little Mermaid. We covered Easy. it. Um, Billy Elliot or Billy Joel? Uh, Billy Elliot. <laughs> um, your favorite childhood Halloween costume was? Oh, the Energizer Bunny. Okay. Are you into true crime? And if so, what case would you like to have solved? Um, I don't know true crime too much. I do watch only murders in the building. So uh, good. <laughs> you know, that's, so that's that's been like the third person's answer to that question on this podcast this season. <laughs> like nobody is a murderino like myself. Okay. Favorite song to sing when nobody is home? 
Oh my gosh, when nobody's home, what do I like to sing? Uh, well, recently it's been uh, Once on This Island, uh, Waiting for Life. I've been Great. I've been blasting that. Listen, you love a Black Diva song. You love a Dream Girl. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> I know it's true. We all we're all singing them at home. Okay, have you ever left a show at intermission? No, I, I don't believe in it. No shade to anyone who does. I, no, I you can shade. I, I I think like you know you you should stay. Story, yeah, you owe it to the you just owe it to the people there. Everyone's working so hard. Yes, that's true. But you did probably not see Amazing Grace on Broadway. Did you? Okay, <laughs> I, I don't even know about that. So. Okay, that's that's fine. Um, all right. And um, what do you want on your bagel? Oh, oh okay. Uh, everything bagel with cream cheese, locks, a little bit of onions and capers. Great. Um, all right. What movie can you watch over and over again? Oh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Great. And what advice do you have for young performers? Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. I want to make sure I'm giving a, a good answer to, to people. Uh, well, you know, looking back at all of this, like that little kid who auditioned for you and the Beast, what, what would you tell him now? Um, Enjoy every second and know that there are no rules. There's no set path that you have to follow because you're your own person. You're your own unique individual. So just, you know, forge that path on your own. I love it. You're a star. Tell the people where they can follow you and see what's up with uh, you and your career and all the things you're doing. Yeah, I, uh, you can follow me uh, uh, on Instagram at Trevor Harrison Braun. Uh, and you can come see me in the play that goes wrong at New World Stages. Uh, I'm on eight shows a week. Eight shows time. a week, baby. You better go so see him. Um, yeah, it's a great. You'll have a great time. You're gonna have a great time. And also, happy birthday to you, and happy Halloween to all the people who are listening. <laughs> Be safe out there this weekend, Trevor. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's such a pleasure to get to chat with you and hear your growing up Broadway story. And yeah, I so appreciate you. you. Thank you, and uh, everyone. Remember to follow us at Little Me Podcast. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Bye, Trevor. Bye. Thanks for having me. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network, and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash littleme. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.